This is the People in Their Work podcast. I am Professor Doug Gardner in the Student Leadership and Success Studies Department at Utah Valley University. In this podcast, you will hear the first-person stories of people journeying through their education, work, and career decision-making. Krista Edwards is a falconer and an English teacher, and she is passionate about both. In this episode, you will learn how Krista has developed the side gig of falconry and even brought her falconry into the classroom while being allergic to birds. There were a few things at the beginning of my life that led me to where I am now. First one of those things is that my entire lineage, I would say, starting from my great-great-grandparents, have always been educators. So my great-great-grandparents were educators. My great-grandfather was a, um, he was a superintendent of Las Vegas School District. My grandpa was a biology teacher, and my mother is a special education teacher, and my brother is also a vice principal. And so it was a natural pathway for me to also follow and become a teacher. And then the second thing that led me to where I am today is this natural love of nature that my father instilled in me. And so growing up, he would take me to the creeks and we would catch fish and we would find turtles. And eventually that led to me falling in love with birds. Growing up in New Jersey as a six-year-old, I would put up bird feeders and I would Um, study all these different little bird books that my parents gave me and they always thought it was a phase they always said oh it's just another phase she went through the dinosaurs she went through the reptiles and now she's into the birds and it'll pass and it never passed I remember when I was eight telling my parents I want to be a falconer they were like oh that's a that's a great dream sweetie and they went out and they got me a parakeet and I loved my little parakeet but I always felt like that wasn't quite where it was where my bird love was going to end fast forward years later and I moved to Utah, where I am now studying English teaching at BYU. And I, in my junior year, I saw this Facebook post by this young man. His name was Lark. And he had just posted, I just got my first hawk. And I was thinking to myself, oh, he's about my age. I wonder where he lives. And so I clicked on his profile and it said Orem, Utah. And so being a naive junior or sophomore in college, I messaged him and I say, Uh, you don't know me, but we're going to be best friends. And so he responds and he says, sure, come on over tonight. I'm training my bird. And me being, a, I would never do this now, me being the stupid, naive sophomore slash junior, I said, sure, great. So I go over to this stranger's house and he has a hawk and I fall in love with the hawk, not with him, Um, but we're still very good friends today. And he introduces me to quite a few of his falconer friends who quite literally take me under their wing. And I knew that at that moment, the first time I held that bird, that I was, that this is something that was going to stick. However, I was also very aware that, that there's not really a lucrative career in birds or wildlife or anything of that sort. I knew that I couldn't make it my career, but I could make it my passion. And in discussing this decision with several other falconers who have made falconry their career, they feel that I've made the right decision because making falconry a career is so exhaustive and time-consuming that they say that they've, they've lost the passion for it. And now it's more something that they have to do rather than something they want to do. Moving forward in my um, teaching career, I found that I've been very fortunate to include falconry in several different ways. I bring my birds into my class and I teach them about the symbolism of birds in different texts and in different cultures. I have 
been fortunate enough to every now and then I have friends that have um, that have baby birds that they want me to help raise and so I was fortunate enough to bring in a barred owl which is a bird native to the east coast but my friend in um, Utah had one and he didn't have the time for it at the moment and so he said hey can you can you raise this baby owl for me and I said sure but only if I can bring it into my school because I couldn't be with it 24 7 otherwise and he said, actually, that's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to bring it into your class. I want it to be exposed to so many different types of people um, because it's going to be an education bird. And so I said, great. So for two or three weeks, I brought this bard, this baby barred owl as a little fluffy chick, super cute. His name was Romeo because I was an English teacher and I got to name him. And Romeo and Juliet is actually an allegory for falconry. Not many people know that unless they're involved in the falconry and English world like I am. But if you read Romeo and Juliet and you're a falconer, you can see the comparisons very clearly, which is a whole different podcast. But I brought Romeo in every day and the kids loved him. They never got to touch him, which is, which is a legal thing. We can't let the public touch the birds but they were very invested in how he was growing up and how the bird mind worked. And even though that wasn't my content area, it was so engaging for my students. And I eventually started using Romeo as a reward. So the best behaved kids or the kids that were able to get the highest grade on a test or whatever, they could have Romeo sit on their desk. And that was a huge motivator. For my kids that were struggling reading, I would bring Romeo over and I would say, hey, I want you to read that passage to Romeo. And they actually did it. And these are eighth grade students who, you know, you would think are kind of past these gimmicky things. But for some reason, the birds really engaged them. Moving forward, I now have my educational license as well as my falconry license, which are two different types of licenses regarding these birds of prey. The falconry license allows you to use birds of prey for hunting. So you take them out in their natural habitat and you hunt with them. And that's the goal of falconry is to partner yourself with a bird and to teach it that you're its partner and to catch wild game. And there's a few different ways you do that, but the educational license is different in that you're taking in birds that cannot survive in the wild for whatever reason. Perhaps they have a blind eye, perhaps they have a wing injury, they can't stretch it out all the way so they can't fly. And you're taking those birds and using them as what we call educational ambassadors to educate people with. So I've been fortunate enough to have both of those licenses, which allows me to both use birds for hunting purposes, which is kind of my passion, and then use these educational birds as well for educational purposes. And so as a teacher and a falconer, it's been a perfect mix for me to find this balance. Something else that complicated my future as I was considering which direction to go with my life was that about my third year of falconry, I was diagnosed with an allergy to birds. So I knew that I couldn't have sustained contact with them anymore. I had considered going and getting my master's in raptor biology at the University of Boise, at Boise State. Um, however, with this new allergy that was discovered, I knew I couldn't do that. I couldn't be as hands-on as I wanted to. I couldn't have a full-time falconry bird, couldn't have the contact that I was used to doing. I used to do rehab as well. I used to volunteer, and I couldn't do that as much anymore because doing rehab, I was, I was holding eagles right up to my face, and I was diagnosing them, and I was assisting in their rehabilitation, and I, I just couldn't do it anymore because the, as the, uh, allergist told me it was a external bird protein that 
triggers the allergy. So I can eat birds because of internal bird, bird proteins. So chicken and turkey is fine, but I couldn't breed them in. And that severely restricted which direction I wanted to go with my future. Previously, before that, I had offers to do falconry full-time in a, in a situation called abatement, which is when you use raptors to deter problem birds. So sparrows and pigeons and starlings, uh, birds that are causing problems to tourist destinations or orchards or um, even landfills. I had a few offers and a few people interested in hiring me to do such programs, but because of the allergy, I knew I couldn't dedicate my life to doing falconry full-time. Then with my educational license, which has been super a great blessing to me and my friend who I also have partnered with to, to um, get this license, we now move forward in presenting programs using these non-releasable birds and giving them a new purpose in life because they can't survive. And so they have this new purpose in life to educate people about their wild counterparts. We do all sorts of programs. So we do classroom programs. We've done programs for veterans. We've done programs for birthday parties, corporate events, team building activities, scouting groups. I have a program coming up in the next week for a residential treatment um, facility for teens. It's been great to be able to bring these birds up close and personal to people that would otherwise not have been exposed to them. And the, the goal of these programs is not just to teach people about the birds, but also to inspire them to love them more. Because we protect what we love and we love what we understand is sort of our working theme that we've been working towards. I've also been fortunate enough to work directly with the Utah Falconers Association. So I'm the vice president of the association. That's been a real joy as I help new, I'm gonna call them fledgling falconers, learn how to do the art. And it's quite an intensive art and sport, as I'm sure that people understand. It's, it's not just getting a dog and walking it. It's very time intensive. It's very labor intensive. And the reward is incredible when you have a working hawk or falcon that sees you as its partner and lets, it, and lets you into its life day to day. And so working with the Falconers Association, I've been fortunate enough to work directly with the Department of Natural Resources and some different study groups that have conducted research on raptors. I've been fortunate enough to assist in creating apprentice workshops is what we call them, where we teach people that are interested in falconry about the art. Right now as a teacher, um, I'm, in my, I'm going into my fifth year of teaching English language arts and I teach eighth grade. I am currently enrolled in a UVU master's program for educational leadership. While I'm not entirely sure that educational leadership is the end goal, it's sort of the next step that I want to see. So whether I become an instructional coach, which is which is uh, teaching teachers basically within a school, or if I want to work in a district position, creating curriculum, which I also think is a passion of mine. I love creating lessons and engaging students and figuring out, okay, what's the next best thing that we can use in order to keep their attention as well as teach them, of course. Or whether I do end up going into educational leadership, I'm not quite sure where the end goal is for me. I've also been considering doing PhDs in England, in the UK, and part of that is my love of English literature, which is why I'm an English teacher, but also part of that, once again, going backwards to falconry, is that there's so much falconry history in England, and I have a lot of falconer friends there. And so having that support system would be an incredible experience as I also live in a different country. I don't quite have all the answers for the end of my life. I know where I am right now, and I know that 
the decisions I've made up until this point have made me very, very happy. Despite the bird allergy, it's, it's not something that's keeping me from my passion. I am Doug Gardner, and this has been the People in Their Work podcast. Music by Christopher Weiss. Images are from the UVU Roots of Knowledge stained glass exhibit by Holdman Studios. 